It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Raven Quest, Book One Here Be Dragons. Written by Benjamin Raven Presley. Chapter 5. Raven's Guard. The sound of water drew ever closer as we followed its sound. There were rock formations all along the way that we were constantly stopping and admiring. There was one very unusual archway that seemed to have a scarlet red color on its side rails and at the top. We made sure to walk through it and not miss the magic of this moment. And as we did, we felt the most refreshing mist upon our bodies, like the air was full of a refreshing effervescence. Platus just walked around it. He didn't care much for getting wet. Then up ahead we saw the strangest show of light and sound in the near distance just around the next bend in our trail. It was very strange and magical. I cannot even imagine what natural phenomenon would have made such a show of lights. Then we entered the chamber and sure enough, as we suspected there before us, was the most incredible waterfall we had ever seen. There seemed to be lights that came in from the roof of the cave above it. Perhaps holes through which the mountain where the light penetrated through, and it almost looked like spots of light from either side of the fall and downward illuminating the fall in the most magical of illuminations. The fall itself sprayed such an effervescence that when looking at the top of the fall, it was as if it were flowing from a cloud. As it splashed down into the pool below, it seemed to stir up a spray of glittering particles that danced in the air and on the surface of the water. Then I had a hunch. I doused the torch I was carrying. There was no need for artificial light. There seemed to be a concentrated glow from behind the fall that illuminated every drop, every spray, until every spray and drop of water became a display of light and a sound. It was not just the sound of water. That would have been incredible enough. But somehow the sounds it made, along with the current of air it drew, was like music, a kind of ethereal sound that was enchanting and hypnotic. We held each other and could do nothing but stand in awe and wonder as we pointed and were amazed at such a wonder. Even our four-legged friends just sat still and looked amazed. Even the pups sat still and hypnotized by the sight before us. As I looked and I noticed that even their fur glimmered with the specks of the glittery substance that was covering us all. When they shook themselves as only four-leggeds can, it was quite a display and explosion of color and light of sorts. I held Skye's hands at arm's length and we smiled as we saw the beautiful shimmering glitter on us also. Then along one side of the fall, I noticed a trail of sorts almost like steps ascending and disappearing behind the fall. It was very subtle, and one could easily have mistaken it for some natural formation and not a staircase. But to me, it looked like stairs leading to a secret place. I took the hand of skies, and we made our way to the stairs. We ascended the trail cautiously, staring ahead, the trail still lit by the phosphorescent glow in the light from the ceiling. When we appeared around the next bend, we were behind the waterfall, and the area opened up into a chamber that I can only attempt to describe. As we stood and beheld the sight before us, we were not sure whether to look or to run, for there, in an ornate seat, one could only describe as a throne set the remains of a creature that at one time appeared to be human. Flesh was still clinging to the bones and had turned to a leathered appearance over time. Clothing hung upon him of a fabric of some sort that was smooth to the touch, very thin and tightly woven, finer than a spider's web. He also had what appeared to be an armor on of some sort made from a combination of thick leather and skin and a substance that was shimmering and hard beneath the silken material. In one hand was a spear that was long and a point that was not made of stone, but neither was it of a material I knew. At the same time, though, there was something that was also something very hauntingly familiar about this creature, the spear he held, and how he dressed. 
It is made of steel, said Skies. When she spoke these words, it was like something went off in my brain, like I had heard these words before. But still I found myself saying, what is this steel? For all I knew was stone, bone, and wood. Or did I? There seemed to be a part of me that was familiar with these armaments. But I was certainly fascinated by this thing called steel. I do not fully understand myself, she continued. But when I was a child, there were people that came to our mountain, and all were clad in this material that shined and reflected the great light as it shined upon it. They called the material metal. Their spear tips and blades were also made of a metal they called steel. They had blades at the end of handles that chopped through wood and bone with ease and did not even break when struck on a rock. They did not harm us, but seemed to be only explorers, curious about how we live mostly. I do remember, though, them asking about some place, but I do not remember what they asked about it. They seemed to want to find the place they spoke of very badly. Anyway, we asked them many questions, and they tried to explain. As I said, though, I was just a child. I do not remember all their words, and they did not mean much to me since I was very young. I have heard my people speak of these things, since I am not sure how accurate their words are, but you know how stories change over time, Skies explained. All around this person, upon the throne were boxes and loose round objects that were so shiny. On each of the rounded metallic objects were engravings of people and characters of some sort. There were chains of a yellow metal and transparent stones of many colors that were shaped masterfully. We were both fascinated as we observed heaps of shiny metal and stones, all the while keeping an eye upon the man on the throne, as if we expected him to rise up at any minute and run us away. This must have been a great man at one time, perhaps a warrior or an exceptional leader of his people. For whatever reason he died, his people must have brought him to this place and placed him on his throne, making this a tomb to preserve him for all time, I guess. Or perhaps he knew he was dying and prepared this place for himself secretly, and on his final day sat there upon his throne to wait for his death, Skye suggested. We took our time and studied the details of the chamber. There were many words written combined with pictures. Yes, words. Those guys and I had no written language within our tribes. Somehow, in our minds, we could read every letter and, and word. I, I can't explain why. The walls were covered with words and pictographs. And as we read the words, we read of a civilization that valued these objects, and we learned these things were gold coins and jewels and were valued and traded as currency in their time. It also told of how many nations were destroyed and entire people groups eliminated for greed and a desire to possess these coins and jewels. I then noticed the helmetless person upon this throne. It was a combination of metal and leather and partially covered with jet black feathers deteriorated by time. It was the shape of a raven's head. In one of his hands was a spear, as I have said, but in his other hand, and laid across his lap, was an object I seemed drawn to. It was a long knife made of this steel, and it was ornately designed and engraved upon. I touched and admired it and noticed that all the objects in this tomb, that it seemed to be the only object untarnished. As I read the words engraved upon this blade, I read, Ravensguard, Defender of Truth. Until now we had left everything in this place undisturbed, but what I was strangely drawn to pick up this blade and feel its weight and admire its workmanship even closer, but did I dare? Then, as if in answer to the thoughts in my head, and we heard the voice of Eli, Take the sword, Raven. It is your inheritance. It is your destiny. These things have been laid up for you and your kingdom. Skies and I and all who treasure truth. His voice echoed off the walls of the chamber and also in my mind. I understood things I did not understand before. I knew the sword he spoke of was this beautiful long blade. Take it, my prince, Sky said. I then knew she had also heard the voice. I looked into the face of the one upon the throne and was partially kneeled as I reached over to retrieve the blade. I carefully took it from its grip. His decayed hand only moved slightly as it settled from the absence of the blade it leaned upon. As it did, I noticed a ring upon his bony finger, and I held the blade in my hand but knew nothing of its use or how to wield it. Put the helmet upon your head, Raven, Eli's voice said, and I gave the sword of skies to balance it point upon the ground while I reached for the helmet upon his head. Somehow, 
part of me felt like I was violating a sacred place of the dead, and yet part of me felt so right taking it. I placed the head upon my head, and I and after I looked inside to make sure it was clear of debris and crawly things, and it was a perfect fit. Somehow I knew it would be. Place the ring upon your finger, Eli spoke again. I was careful not to break the decaying finger off and slid the ring off. It, too, like the sword, was not tarnished. It had many engravings upon it in blood-tarnished red jewels and set in places in the design and symbols for eternity. I looked at Skies and swallowed hard. I did not know what to expect. Skies nodded her head as if to say, do it. So I placed the ring upon my finger and Skies handed me the sword. I could hardly put into words what happened next. It was like sparks of lightning were going off in my brain. Like keys opening doors that I did not know were closed or existed. Waiting for this day, secret dormant places in my brain being awakened. Instead of holding the sword clumsily, suddenly it was as if I had a knowledge of such things, and I held a sword in my hand by its grip. I was amazed at how natural it felt in my hands, and I held it in front of me, pointing outward. I sliced through the air with it and swung it around in some pattern like a continuous X. How did I know these things? I never held such an instrument in my hands. Skies stood back and watched in delight. I wasn't sure what to think. Every moment I wielded it, though, I felt its strength and purpose surge through me that was not of this world. I looked back at the man upon the throne and noticed something I had not noticed before. There was an ornate and bejeweled box being held, closed, and protected by the end of his spear upon the ground. I knew that it was also for us to possess. I retrieved the box, carefully lowering the spear to the ground, so as not to cause the remains of the man to collapse in pieces. Skies and I knelt on opposite sides of the box as we opened it carefully. Inside the box was a shimmering silver helmet with angelic wings sweeping back upon it. I looked at Skies, and she looked at me as I lifted it from its sanctuary. I placed it upon her head, and of course it fit her perfectly. I could tell her brain was going through a similar transformation as did mine, as she closed her eyes and smiled and laughed. Then she reached into the box, and in it was a bow of silver and a quiver filled with silver arrows. There were gauntlets that fit both her arms long and on the wrist, highly decorated. She drew an arrow from the quiver, loaded it upon a silver string of the bow, drew back and released an arrow that found its mark in the center of a target that seemed to be in place for just this moment. As I searched the contents of the box, I found a rod of some type of metal and a smaller blade and a leather pouch. Somehow I knew its use as I struck a spark and knew it was for making fire. There were two such sets, and I gave one to Skies. Inside was also a rolled-up skin of some sort. As I unrolled it, I saw it had many letters and words to decipher and ponder it at a later time. We stood in awe. We stood there wondering at the gifts bestowed upon us. We felt as if we were on the brink of eternity. We gathered our gifts and thanked the Creator for them. We even gathered a few coins and jewels and several small bags each. We had no need of such baubles, but perhaps on our journey, someone may value them as currency. We held hands and took a deep breath. Then we exited from behind the waterfall. And as if we were not amazed enough, when we came out, we saw another amazing sight. Altair, Akul, and Platus were bowed before us. Rise, my friends. Whatever transformation has been bestowed upon us, whether warrior or king, you will always be our friends. We will all only bow before the great creator of all things, I exclaimed. They then ran to our sides, and we hugged and petted them like it had been the longest of times. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.